Hello and welcome to the Arrow Video Podcast with Sam and Dan. Uh, my name is Dan Martin, a special effects artist, podcaster, and I'm joined as ever by my lovely co-host. Sam Ashurst, and I'm a writer, I'm a director, I'm a producer, I'm an editor, and if I seem a little bit distracted, it's because I currently have a sleeping pig next to me. Um, Special guest, silent pig. Special guest, hopefully silent, let's see how he gets on. But all three of us have just watched a little film we like to call The Child, because that's its title. Now, we know we said we were going to do images, this week, um, it's Dan's choice. Uh, unfortunately, we were both wrong, and uh, Images is on Arrow Academy, not Arrow Video. But um, we're going to talk about it anyway a little bit later in the yeah. pod. But Dan, the child, can you uh, tell me <laughs> the plot of the child? Um, well, yeah, let's let's get to how in, we ch- come to choose the child in first. Five thousand words or less. <laughs> yeah, go on. Um, Sam and I have both had a very busy couple of weeks. It was officially my go. I hadn't chosen anything by the normal deadline we set ourselves. And Sam said, oh, you wanted to do something from the American Horror Project box set two. Um, yeah, Dan sent me basically ages ago. We did a list to each other, didn't we, of, of yeah. titles we were excited to cover. Yeah, yeah. And I thought there was going to be some mileage in this if we, you know, we dipped into this box set. And you said, well, why don't we do that? And I said, yes, that's great. I actually haven't actually got a copy of that. And Sam said, well, I'll come around and watch together, which is nice, like the old days. And then we can talk about The Child, which is the highest rated on IMDb of the three. Don't know if it's the highest rated on IMDb. I think it's the one that's gotten the best reviews. Um, yeah, I'd need to double check that. That's fine. But yeah, it is anyway. It's, it's, it, by it's one metric or another, it is the best low. regarded yeah. of the three films in that box set yeah. on IMDb. So we sat down on a Sunday afternoon to watch... Robert Voskanian's 1977 debut classic, The Child, a.k.a., you know what it was called in Italy, Sam? No. The House of Zombies. Oh, wow. And it was, the original title was Children of the Night. Um, Children, plural? Yes. I mean, that's a fucking mad title. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The other two are half correct, because The Child is correct as it refers to the first half of the film, and House of the Zombies is correct as it... Refers to the second half of the film, although it's a bar, not a house. I mean, should should we go into that too much because spoilers? Cause... I don't know if this is a spoiler movie. Well, okay, we'll be a little oblique about anything in the third act. Yeah. But I feel like we can talk about stuff in the first two thirds of the film yeah. with relative freedom. So right off the bat, let's just say that this is going to be one that we review in a similar tone as Doom Asylum. You're right. It's yeah. not. It's not burdened with the weight of being a highbrow film. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm i kind of in two minds about this because I don't know, like, uh, this is one of those where, especially kind of the excellent extras that Arrow have created for this disc, I kind of really admire, I admire the fact that uh, the producer of, of this one, Ewan Kant, he's got a very specific taste. Um, you can kind of tell what films that are out on Arrow that are his. And he's got a love for these kinds of movies. Oh, yeah. And I do really respect the fact that there's a kind of broad church of Arrow where you have, you know, your Robocops or your Nightbreeds or whatever, your Candymans. But then you've also got stuff like... Um, the like, 50p a night from the rental video store stuff that you might have a fond memory of from your teens when yes. you were just working your way through the entire fucking back shelf. Like the baby, like that's a classic yeah, example of, the, I, you I, know, I would, I, I would file say, this alongside I that. I see, no, I would definitely say the baby is A, 
significantly more proficiently made than this film, and B, just a better film down to the ground. Like, I watch The Baby and I enjoy it unironically. This is great fun, and I am by no means shitting on it, because I think it's, A, it's impressive enough when anyone makes a film. Just yeah. put that out there. It's a debut, and I think the last film that either the producer or the uh, director did. Yeah. Uh, and there is a lovely interview with them on the disc where they talk about, like, getting the money together and what, you know, what inspired them and what made them want to... Uh, what made them want to make it in the first place? Spoiler alert: Once you've watched the film, you will know exactly what inspired them. Yeah, but but it's by the end of it, like all the way through the film, we were kind of taking the piss and laughing about it. But by the end of it, we're like, oh, you know what? These guys are really like proud of this, and you know, they look back on it. It's forty-two years ago that they made this film, and what a fucking amazing like deal it must be for them. Exactly to have this movie that was like misreleased. Uh, and a shitty quality copy which they go into in the interview the first time round uh, like it never got a chance to be loved really um, and yet Ewan saw it and Ewan loved it and that was enough and so it snuck through the cracks into the Arrow collection in, as part of this box set and it's really fucking fun if, I, I don't think I'd have made it through on my own yeah but with a bit of whiskey and some pizza and well, my well, friend yeah that's it, a, it it was a really fun watch this is it and these that's exactly what these kind of films are for me like the films that you watch with your friends or you show your friends um like the amount of films that god if i was able to produce for arrow the amount of films that i've watched with tony that yeah you know uh, you know slight in joke there dear sweet arrowhead but we've mentioned tony in the past um tony is our, our psychotronic friend um, and yeah, I, I just, I kind of love that this kind of film has been given this deluxe, beautiful treatment. Um, and, and, you know, as much as we kind of took the piss and laughed and all the rest of it, there were a couple of shots for each of us where we were both were like, oh, that, that's actually a really nice shot, you know, or, yeah. you know, that's a nice moment. We literally compared it to Badlands at one point. Yeah, well, yeah, no, <laughs> exactly. And, um, and there's, you know, one little bit, as with Burnt Offerings, which, you know, you feel that Sam Raimi saw this movie because it's so Evil Dead, it, yeah. it, it had to be an influence. And again, it's within the right time frame. Evil Dead first one was 81 and this was released in 77. So, um, yeah, and, and, you know, without people like Ewan and companies like Arrow, these films would 100% be lost. Oh, yeah, completely. Um, and so, like you say, the fact that it's... Uh, it's this debut film and this soul film and, you know, the experience presumably put them off making other films, you know. Or it put other people off from investing in them. <laughs> well, considering the fact that their investment, quote unquote, came from a little bit here and there from their family. And ten, ten grand from the director's mother-in-law. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, so I think that's all we've got to say about this. <laughs> no, we can talk a little bit more Go about on, what, it. What have you got to say? So... Okay, so the reason it makes a good, like, have a few drinks and watch it with your friends is it's got lots of lovely big gaps in the dialogue for you to talk over. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so that's true. So you can true. chat and catch up on what you've just seen. Yeah. Um, it's got a truly baffling score. Yeah. Uh, that sounds like a bunch of electric geese stuck in a cupboard with, a, like, a Casio keyboard. Well, it's got quite a... I don't know if this was intentional or not, but one thing that I noticed while we were watching it that we sort of discussed was that... The music, the scary music, there's several sequences oh, yeah. <laughs> early on where a character is in a house and there's an outside threat 
Um, but whenever we cut inside the house, there's no music. Whenever we cut to the scary threat outside, we get the scary music. And it seems quite arbitrary when they cut back and forth. Yeah, um, the monster's creating its own diegetic music. Cor- correct, like the monster's carrying a boombox around with it. <laughs> however, however, I do wonder if that was weird intentional experimentation because then oh, this is a spoiler i guess but um let's say the 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 threat gets into the house and then the music goes Follows into the house as well it. yeah yeah i mean it, and it kind of envelops the the situation and i don't know i think that's quite cool it reminded me a little bit of the record player scene in inferno in argento's inferno oh, okay. with the yeah, record yeah. player stopping and starting yeah yeah to have the music just cut out so completely for some scenes yeah yeah jump back in it definitely gives an interesting effect yeah like you know these guys clearly didn't really know what they were doing yeah but they you know even a fucked clock tells the right time twice a day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. And let's we talk about the cast, the performances. I mean, in general, they were fucking like hilarious. Or <laughs> even the guy who they said was the only professional actor they had in the cast. He was, uh, was arguably the arguably the worst. Yeah. But also, they they go in in the in the extras. They go into their reasons for choosing the cast, and they are. Astonishing, Sam. Why don't you tell us why they chose the leading lady? Oh, because um, uh, obviously it's, it, this is—you know—they had quite an extensive audition process. Um, but then uh, an actress who hadn't uh, done a film before walked in, and she was wearing the kind of dress—the right kind of dress—from the fifties or sixties. The director says, and as soon as he saw her in that dress, he thought that she was the right person for the yeah, film. So she got so it. non-traditional casting process. And the titular child got the role because her real first name was the same as the character's first name, which presumably made things easier he took it to be a sign so um yeah i mean there is some of the you know the classic bad filmmaking tropes in this movie probably the most obvious certainly from the perspective of someone you know any filmmakers watching this will immediately pick up on the fact that they have padded to get this to as close to feature length as, oh as is possible. They're like the um, opening of Birdemic, it has a lot of uh, yeah. There's a lot, a lot of driving, a lot of driving, a lot of people doing things where you would expect it to cut away, like you know, sipping a drink, and instead of instead of taking one sip, it's three, three. or four. Yeah. And yeah, there's there's a moment where you know they board up a door. And they essentially do it in real time without cutting oh, they away. Do like six boards, four nails per board. Yeah, so, <laughs> so you know, anyone who's worked and stuff will will be able to tell you that um, that that's not necessarily an artistic choice. There's an amazing, <laughs> there's a fucking amazing moment. So obviously, apparently, they had two cameras for this for, for at least some of the shoot. And oh, um, that's so good. There's yeah. an incredible moment in the documentary in the in the interviews where the director was like, and then in these scenes, I was getting in real close to the actors and my B camera, my A camera operator is like, oh man, you're ruining my shot. You're, you're ruining my shot. You're in my shot. And I'm like, look, if I'm in your shot, then it's because I'm operating the other camera. And if I'm operating the other camera, then that's the footage that's getting used. So, you know, you we're not going to use your stuff. <laughs> it's like, for a film with no money, that is a waste of film. If not, also very rude. It's a waste of film. And uh, it's, uh, yeah, not exactly establishing a great relationship with your TP. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, maybe that's why they didn't make a film again, because they couldn't find any crew that Funny, would be I've, willing to work with them. I've never had any crew be available for a second film. Right. <laughs> I need to make something very clear at this point in time that I uh, finished editing A Little More Flesh, my second film, 
before I watch this film. Uh, all will become clear when you well, see uh, it. You, I think they're a great double bill, and uh, <laughs> the, it, you have it where where necessary for your film. You have very well replicated the mentality behind this kind of film. Thank you. That is right. We're not going to say any more than that. that is, <laughs> thank you. I very much appreciate that. Um, yeah, you'll all understand when you've seen it. But Sam, yes. would you pitch this film to me as someone who's never seen it but who has a passing interest in special effects? Oh, well, um, let me see. Um, you will certainly watch um, a real-time evolution of... Um, <laughs> what it's like to do effects on a film. It does kind of get better as they learn on the job. You know, There's some fluctuation. I think maybe it wasn't shot in order. <laughs> yeah, it will certainly... It's an aspirational film in that it will you know, make you feel like you're able to go out and do it. Well, just as these guys watched a movie and were like, well, that looks easy. <laughs> <laughs> a very specific a movie, a much, yeah. yeah. A very specific movie that they do mention in the, in the extras, extras that yeah. is, I'd say, maybe a little more successful than this. Yes, in, yes. In, in, so at least in doing what it set out to do yeah but you know let, let's not go too hard let's not go too hard i think we were both slightly more ready to go harder on this film before we watched that uh featurette because yeah I, yeah it's difficult because you don't want like whenever you talk to a writer or a director about a choice they've made that won't necessarily vibe with the audience where the audience won't get it and you because you don't get it and you say this is a problem and the director's like oh no 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 it should be read like this then you end up getting in that conversation where it's like, well, you're not going to be there to explain that to your audience. So if it doesn't come across, you've got to, you've got to make it come across or change something because if you need them to feel that, they're not going to feel that and you're not going to be there. And, and, I, and, and to some extent, we've just watched a film and mm. we're like, this is laughable bullshit. We enjoyed it. It's fun. We're going yeah. to talk about it in a positive light in those regards, but we have no love for it on an artistic level. And then we watched the film with these two like quite excitable men who made this movie. And we're like, oh, look at these plucky young filmmakers. But this is it. And <laughs> plucky it, young 65-year-old filmmakers. Well, that's it. I mean, yeah, it is one of the beautiful elements of, um, of, of what Arrow does, which is, I, I think I've said this before as well, it puts all of these things into context. Like, you know, knowing the type of people that made this film for the kinds of reasons they made it, it is kind of admirable. And it is like, well, they've achieved their dream of making a film. Well yeah. done, that's really yeah, fucking yeah, yeah. hard. And, and yeah, and I just think that all of these films have, it's very easy to forget that, you know, especially in the kind of independent horror sector, yeah, it, sometimes films are made with more passion than talent. Um, and I still respect people with passion. Oh, yeah, I, I don't know. It's 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 a hard one because yeah. Um, like I say, I'm this will not go anywhere near my top one thousand films of all time. Um, but I did enjoy watching it with Dan. And Will you, um, would you watch it with Georgia? Would you rewatch it if Georgia said she wants to watch it? Um, I no, I don't think so. Um, no, partly because I haven't spoken to Georgia in quite a long time, and oh. partly because she would. She's more of an eighties kind of person. Okay. Um, our regular listeners will remember Sam's friend Georgia, who uh, high point once broke up with someone using only photographs of Steven Seagal hard of hearing quotes. Yes, <laughs> from a movie we were watching at the time. Yeah. <laughs> and and the guy got the message. It was quite quite incredible. Very quickly, actually. <laughs> Toilet flushing. <laughs> Toilet flushing. Um, but yeah, we are going into in-joke territory. So I think we should wrap this up and go into recommendations. Yeah, I think that's a fair, a fair assessment. Um, what is your first recommendation? 
so my first recommendation based upon it is Queens of Evil, which I think we've mentioned before. It's a Ray Lovelock picture. In that, Ray Lovelock uh, has a car accident, which may or may not have been caused by the devil, uh, and ends up in the woods seeking refuge at a, uh, a house filled with three women whose egos are almost as big as their hair. And shit gets super weird. Super, super, <laughs> super, super, super weird. weird. And it's great. It's absolute like top top tier love lock. And it's really, really fun if you can if you can track it down. It's also got an amazing uh, moment that's on the Italian poster, I think, which you'll be like, oh, well, that's one of those things that's definitely not in the film. It's in the, <laughs> it's film. In the fucking film. Massively in the film. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's really fun. Uh, but, 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 but yeah, that. Great. Watch that. Yeah, uh, uh, you should watch that always as a recommendation based off anything. Uh, my first recommendation is The Bad Seed from 1956. Very dark and weird for the time. It's still a bit dark and weird. Um, and it's essentially about a housewife who starts to uh, suspect her daughter is a killer. Um, so it kind of has uh, elements of paranoia and obviously, you know, the the... The child in the child would probably be friends with the bad seed in the bad seed. So, um, yes, that's pretty much it. <laughs> Next. Yeah. It's a, a, that's again, pretty classic bad kid. Yeah. Uh, it's like the bad kid movie. Yeah. It's, it's the one that people go to. It's a, it's like a, it's the title has become a, a descriptor, hasn't it? Yeah. My, so if you take the first half of the bad seed or maybe even like, the first two thirds of the bird seed, mm-hmm. and then you just cut in the last act of the movie I'm about to recommend. Then you've basically remade the child. Wow! So my recommendation is 1981's uh, La Notte del Terrore, uh, aka Burial Ground, Nights of Terror. Uh, I think it's out on 88. I think in this country. Oh in yes, England. it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, directed by Andrea Bianchi, uh, and it's a delight of a film it falls into it's a zombie picture falls into the Knights Templar movies uh, or the Blind Dead movies although it's not an official part of the Tombs of the Blind Dead series it does have some fantastic zombie head crushes all the zombies apparently have heads made of plaster it has a uh, mother-son relationship to rival Game of Thrones hmm. <laughs> uh, and it has a sort of accidental Shakespeare quote in the form of a, a young an interestingly cast young boy turning to his mother in a greenhouse and saying, Mother, this cloth smells of death. <laughs> wow. Before a fuck pile of clay-headed zombies stumble in and oh, wow. cause a ruckus. Yeah, it's one of my favourite bad zombie pictures. Um, and I think they'd make quite a fun double bill. Yeah. Maybe watch The Child first, because it, it's slightly slower, <laughs> so you'll fall asleep. And, and weirdly, my next choice would make a good double bill with Dan's recommendation. It is Demon Witch Child from 1975. The same director as the Blind Dead series. Um, it's a Spanish exorcist ripoff about a young woman who gets possessed by a witch. Um, lots of weird imagery and uh, a great ending, even if a lot of it doesn't make any sense. So <laughs> if you like nonsensical evil children movies, you will like The Child. You will like Demon Witch Child from 1975, a couple of years before The Child. But um, yeah, they line up quite nicely. So nice. yeah, past couple of weeks, Dan, what have you been watching? Um, I uh, You mentioned Psychotronic Tony, our lovely friend. Yes. Uh, he stayed down with Jen and myself last week and we went to a screening of the second documentary in the VHS Forever series. Oh, uh, um, yeah. The VHS Forever, now called VHS Forever Once Upon a Time in Camden, <laughs> rather than just VHS Forever 2. 
Um, directed by Mark Williams, he directed the first one as well. Um, I'm sure Mark won't have his feelings hurt too badly by saying that the actual quality and especially the sound quality of some of the interviews is not necessarily the crispest. But um, it's a real lovely trip down memory lane for any of us who ever crossed Tony's threshold when he had the psychotronic store uh, in London, uh, around London, but ultimately in Camden. And there's a, a bunch of people, some of whom you may have recognised from in the store, being interviewed about it from its inception through when Tony took over to, to, to the time it closed its doors. And it's a really sweet, uh, just basically a series of anecdotes about film nerds meeting up in a shop in Camden and finding a place that they could feel like was home, uh, which is really nice. There's a couple of stories in there about it, like helping people with shyness and stuff like that, you know, like insular young people going to this shop and buying, like talking about video nasties and horror movies and all that kind of stuff and finding their voice, which is really sweet. Yeah, it's just a really nice picture. Um, I think it's out in the next month or so. There'll probably be a VHS copy out because that's what they were the first one. I think it's going to get physical media as uh, like traditional digital media. And, uh, and then VOD as well. So yeah, it's I worth, think worth checking out. I think the first one's on um, Amazon Prime, isn't yes, it? Yes, it is. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you're in it, Sam, briefly. You have the penultimate word of the documentary. I have... I ha No, I have the final word. You don't. What? Oh, is Northern, there a... Is Northern, there a Mike, Northern Mike has the final word. Is there a post-credit scene? Sort of like a after the very first title card scene. Oh, damn it. I was told... Tony told me that I had the last word, curses. <laughs> um, but he also said that he was very touched by what I said, so that's very nice. Yeah, it was very sweet. Um, yeah, so yeah, if you can uh, track it down, I also recommend that uh, because I'm in it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so what have you seen in the last week, Sam? So in the past couple of weeks, Dan... Whatever you want, mate. ...which is the, the format <laughs> of this section, I actually think I might do this as a double bill if you don't mind. You go right ahead. Um, so I watched a couple of uh, Eureka Blu-rays and they're kind of connected because they're both out in October and they are both films that I love, uh, one of which I've talked about on the podcast before. Uh, the Dark Half is finally coming to UK Blu-ray. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. And... It's a really nice disc. It's got a uh, commentary by George Romero. It's got an episode of Son of the Incredibly Strange Film Show about Romero, which is nice. really yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Um, they, they were great shows. And it's got a really nice making of um, The Sparrows Are Flying Again. It's the first time, actually, despite the fact I recommended it for... What did I recommend it for? Raising Cain. It was, I think I said at the time, it was off my memory of watching it as a kid. Like, I used to watch Dark Half over and over again when I was a kid. And watching it this time, um, it was one of those where it's like, okay, so this isn't as mind-blowing as I remember it being. Yeah. But I basically have taken my entire style from <laughs> um, George Stark. Like, <laughs> That's why I'm like this. Oh, nice. um, yeah, so that was kind of surreal. But um, yeah, no, I still enjoyed the film, don't get me wrong. And it's still, you know, it, it was a shame that it didn't find its audience at the time and all the rest of if it. If I remember but... correctly, the final prosthetic for George Stark yes. at the end of that film, when whatever happens to him happens to him, yes. is not that dissimilar to some of the prosthetics in uh, The Child, albeit... <laughs> yeah. Albeit somewhat more adept yeah just just a little <laughs> bit more adept. Um, and actually no I, won't, I don't need to do these back to back I, you, you go and then i'll do you the sure? next one yeah 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 uh, i'm currently doing a picture that's principal photography will be conducted in chicago 
uh, directed by Jacob Gentry um, of The Signal, among others. And Jacob and I were chatting a little while ago, and he and I have a, an unfortunate habit of going off topic because we're both big film nerds. Um, and so we try and have like a sort of half hour chat about the effects and what we're doing for the picture. And we end up talking for two hours and never getting around to talking about the effects because we're just wittering about films. Uh, and so he recommended me a picture or it came up and it, I'd never seen it. So he recommended it. And I was surprised I'd not seen it when I read about it. I didn't really know anything about it either. Um, but he wasn't recommending it in relation to the film I'm working on. <laughs> he was just, just recommending it because that's most of what we do. It's a 1962 picture. It's actually a Hammer film, uh, mm -hmm. although I hadn't realised it was Hammer. It was released in America as These Are the Damned. Uh, it's just The Damned in England. You seen that? Uh, no. It's a delight. It's, it's got everything you want, Sam. Do you want, you want a biker movie? Do you want a biker movie? Uh, oh, yeah, Of course definitely. you want a biker movie. Do you want a weird sci-fi movie? A sci-fi movie? Yeah, you have a sci-fi movie. Do you want uh, like a peculiar tale of like an American getting into trouble out of water in a, a British seaside town sure. in the 60s. Always. Yeah. Do you want a young Oliver Reed as the leader of the biker gang? The dream. <laughs> I think I have seen this, actually. It's starting to kick <laughs> into place. Yes, I have seen this. Um, for, for, yes. for art nerds, the artist in it has all of her sculptures provided by a young Elizabeth Frink, which is quite interesting from an aesthetic point of view. But yeah, it's just fucking great. It starts with an American tourist in a British seaside town getting fucking turned over by Ollie Reed's yeah. biker gang for some cash. And uh, Ollie Reed's sister, who was sort of the, the bait for this, this robbery, yeah. ends up taking pity on the American and abandoning her, her family to go off with the American. Yes. They get chased by the biker gang and end up stumbling into, at about the midpoint, uh, a sort of scientific research facility, which changes the direction of the film in immeasurable ways. Yes. It's, uh, yeah, I fucking loved it. It felt almost like Korean in its narrative structure. A hundred percent, yeah. I yeah. really, really liked it. Yeah. Uh, and I was astonished I'd never seen it before. So, yeah, there you go. It, the that, that was definitely a, a Tony movie. Wow, Tony has popped up a lot on this uh, on this episode, Forever and in our hearts. and also like our lives because he's still around. Yeah. Like, that sounds like he's dead. He's not yeah, dead. He's not dead. Um, so uh, my next recommendation is another Eureka title, um, also out in October, and uh, this will excite Dan. Eastern Condors. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, is that on Eureka? Yeah, nice. it's, it's part of a three films with Sammo Hung box set. Lovely. And yeah, again, um, first uncut release in the uk and all, all nice. that kind of stuff and it's it's one that um like dan and i both love samo yeah um, very much so um yeah uh, uh, another lovely disc um, great extras um i think that one's out october 7th i think dark half's october 14th i have so. i had hoped it would arrive early enough for me to talk about it on this but i have a blu-ray of a relatively recent samo uh, film that hasn't been released in the UK called The Bodyguard. Oh yeah, uh, which I'm really excited. It's like to a watch. late, a late. Yeah, really recent, like yeah. two years ago maybe. Yeah, yeah. It's never got released over here, but it's Samo is like a sort of. I think he might have Alzheimer's. He's a, yeah. an old like bodyguard who's yeah. retired, and then he has to sort of like deal with that mental illness while uh, protecting a child who yeah. has fallen under his ward and. I love Sam Hung. So yes, if, if you don't know of him, he's just uh, an incredible uh, martial artist slash the, director. Yeah, one of the three dragons. Yeah. So it was him, Jackie Chan, and UMBO. Exactly. Um, we're a gang, so you look at things like Project A and Dragons Forever yeah. and Wheels on Meals and that kind of stuff. Samo's, Samo's the big chap. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> which is why 
partly why we like him. We we like big martial artists, Incredibly don't we? Incredibly graceful. Yeah, exactly. Which is the one? Which is the one with all the calligraphy where he does the like the oh. jumps up and catches the beams with his feet and then just like hangs upside down and does loads of calligraphy upside down. Yeah, I can't remember, but yeah, amazing. Miracle Fighters, maybe. I think it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, right, that is us done for the past couple of weeks. Now let us move on to extra features. Extra features. Extra features. Extra features. Extra features. So this week in extra features, we're gonna maintain our promise or, or you know hold up our side of the bargain, and we are going to talk a little bit about images, the Robert Altman film uh, that we promised to cover in this episode because they can't stop us because it's in extra features. <laughs> yeah, we'll do we, extra work for them. We've <laughs> decided, yeah, show. extra promotion. <laughs> Um, but you know I'm more than happy to to promote this film because um, I love Robert Altman so much and uh, it is a very interesting unique film within his filmography I became painfully aware of the fact that I think I've not seen enough Robert Altman films I was talking to Jen about it and I've yeah like I've seen I've barely dipped my toe in the water oh wow I I would recommend where should I go next Three Women I've never seen Three Women I think Images into Three Women is quite nice and then um, some of the masterpieces so You've obviously, I know you've seen The Long Goodbye, which yeah, is probably of one of my favourites, but if, if you haven't seen Nashville, holy no, Jen, fuck. Jen, Jen recommended Nashville. Jen is from Memphis. Yeah, yeah, is, yeah. You know, not far from Nashville, and I've worked in Nashville. It's an interesting place. Uh, it's about the music scene, though, right? Yeah, but it's more than that. Okay. Um, yeah, it's. Um, so it's kind of uh, an important film in terms of the, the technical way it's made, like the, the use of overlapping dialogue and all that kind of stuff. Um, but there's a kind of subplot, a kind of political subplot that I think you'll really like. And, and it's kind of really quite prescient and, and still relevant. So um, oh, I'll have to check it out. Yeah. It, I mean, it's long, it's an investment, but it's so worth it. It's tell, kind tell of this. Does it have an ensemble cast and impressive sets? Uh, yes and yes. I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it kind of, yeah, there's one bit that's quite a bit Phantom of the Paradise as well. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's a, a huge recommendation. But Images, Dan, tell us about Images. Uh, yeah, so Images is a film about guilt. Um, it starts with a woman in bed, well, no, a woman writing her, her story while a home alone, and she received a phone call from a friend there appears to be a cross line and another woman comes on the line. That woman then proceeds to call her several other times throughout the evening, telling her that her husband is being unfaithful. Um, she confronts her husband with this when he gets back and he says that he can prove where he was, that he can tell her, who, you know, is she okay? She starts to disbelieve the woman on the other end of the phone at this point, only to have her husband seemingly transform into another man who terrifies her. As the film goes on, there's a lot of uh, a lot of narrative focusing on infidelity and the guilt that is carried forwards into relationships after those transgressions may have ended. It's a you know it's beautiful and lyrical, like the child. It features a lot of uh, sort of like wistful staring off into the distance and wide scenery shots, maybe with a little more aplomb <laughs> than the child. You take that back. Manages. But um, but yeah, it's a really it's a genuinely gorgeous film. There's some nice uh, bordering on a little uh, overbold, but some but just subtle enough. Some nice like visual motifs to show like the the contextual transitions within the film, which is really really nice. I mean, it's yeah, it's just an exceptionally well made film. The performances are fucking incredible, uh, and it's got this really lovely sort of like domestic tension in mm. it as well as like a low-key environmental tension as well, there's a constant feeling that maybe there's someone else in the house 
or you know she's being this woman's being like followed around or that all that people just the people are up to stuff keeping stuff from her as well yeah um yeah i just really really liked it totally i mean one of the things i like about altman stuff is um a lot of it it's very psychologically complex and i feel like this is like say exploring ideas like return of the repressed and and all that kind of stuff so yeah it's a really interesting film and uh, cool editing tricks yeah. and yeah it's just it's not my favorite altman um but it, it's definitely one that i'd recommend and hopefully it will lead you into some of those absolute I'm classics who, i'm trying to remember who was recommending it to me mike gave me a copy of it mike from arrow gave me a copy of it a while back because someone was telling me i really ought to watch it and he might give me a, a check disc for it and i I didn't get around to putting it in the machine for ages, and it was only when Sam said, "Well, when when we sort of yeah. talked about this, when Sam mentioned it last time, that I thought I'd I'd take the plunge." And I yeah, I absolutely loved it. But I can't remember what the context was for it being recommended to me. Definitely, but, definitely yeah, watch Three really, Women. Definitely watch yeah, Three I'll give it Women. A go. So good. All right, so yeah, I think that that's probably it. Actually, uh, I've got one other recommendation that's more for extra features than for the main. Um, part of the show let's start a book club i'm reading at the moment uh if they move kill em, the biography of sam peckinpah and it is fucking unbelievable it's one of the best books about filmmaking i've ever read it kind of reminds me of um hellfire the uh, jerry lee lewis biography in the um it's just incredibly well-written and evocative. So, yeah, if there are any uh, people out there who enjoyed our uh, Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia episode, yeah. which um, is still one of my favourites, and it's one of my favourite films that Arrow's released, I really recommend this book. Um, it is just so, so great. Yeah, I think that's pretty much it, unless you have a book to recommend, Dan. Uh, I'm reading a book called If It Moves, Shoot It. Whoa, what the fuck? <laughs> We've done this podcast for too long. <laughs> Which is a non-fiction book uh, about uh, America's military drone program. <laughs> wow. And, uh, that, and That's a good the, double bill. Some of, the unpleasant, some, some of the unpleasant shit that goes into that. So yeah, there you go. There's a lovely du- book double bill for you. I actually okay. have another recommendation based on The Child as well. But for reasons I can't explain on the podcast, I also can't recommend it. Um, so anyone who wants to know what that is or why I refuse to recommend it on the podcast or why I can't recommend it on the podcast, DM me and I will recommend you that movie. But I just can't do it in a recorded format. Yeah, and I, I was going to have a film that I couldn't say, but I think we kind of talked about it a little bit. So I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to I'm not going to do the same. But um, you should follow Dan on Twitter. And how might you do that, Dan? At 13fingerfx, Twitter or Instagram. And I am at Sam Ashurst, it's my name, uh, on Twitter. And then I'm at Sam Ashurst 23, the number two, the number three on Instagram. I'm saying the number two, the number three, uh, because no one ever follows me on Instagram following <laughs> these podcasts. So I can only assume they're typing it out in full and not finding me. So I'm sure there will be a flurry of new followers after this, um, or, or not, uh, but it's fine either way. I still love you, dear sweet Arrowhead. And uh, on that note, I'm going to say thank you so much for listening, and we promise to be more professional next time. We do indeed. Bye-bye. Bye.